0: Hello there. Welcome to episode 276 of the No Proscenium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro headquarters here in Los Angeles. This week on the show, we've brought together a round table. Yes, a round table of some of our journalist friends from around the country to talk about uh, what what moved them in 2020, and what uh well you'll you'll hear it it's it's a bunch of journalists talking shop about immersive it's uh it's it's my kind of thing hopefully it's your kind of thing too we have returning guest kent by of the voices of vr podcast who you've heard on the show before and then some folks who haven't been on the show before friends of ours who we've been talking to on and off for a few years but haven't had a chance to bring on board First up is Todd Martins, whose entertainment beat at the LA Times covers games and theme parks. And Todd just released his top 10 games of the year, and he placed both Arcana and The Under Presents on that list. You can find that in the show notes or read it at the LA Times. We have Alexis Soloski, contributing writer for the New York Times Arts section and whose critics notebook pieces have spotlighted multiple immersive works during our pandemic age of theater bringing spotlights to work that really deserved a big stage. And there's few stages bigger than the New York times when it comes to theater. Uh, And finally, uh, in terms of our guests, we have Scott Stein editor at large of CNET who, and he covers uh, technology, including the immersive tech beat. And he's uh, a, a big fan of this space. And we talk with him on Twitter all the time. The we being both myself and also representing no pro on the podcast today, our own executive editor, Catherine Yu, who is here to hold down the fort with me. So, uh, that's what we have on tap for today. We are in end of the year mode, and that includes, uh, for the first time ever, we're doing awards. We're doing awards, and next week's show is going to be the awards show. What? Uh, I'm just happy because it, you know, gives me a podcast topic. Um <laughs> So we're doing an award show next week and uh, the the focus of the awards are going to be our editorial awards. So the staff has has pulled together their picks and the editorial staff's going to, the senior staff's coming together and we're having a debate night and we're going to like, you know, argue about what gets what, and that's going to be exciting and probably going to need some whiskey and uh, just get into all the stuff that, you know, I've never done because I I don't work for like a major gaming publication. So uh, maybe I'm going to hate this process. Maybe I'm going to love this process. Uh, We'll, we'll see. (laughs) You'll know if we do it again next year. So uh, that's going to be uh, the focus of the show is we're going to, we're going to roll that out, but we didn't want to leave you out of fun uh, so you know last week we opened up nominations for Audience Choice Awards and that was a whole process and now it's done and the nominees were released yesterday. you'll find them linked here. I'm not gonna read it all because you spend the next 10 minutes reading nominees but the nominees are out and voting is open and you will find a link to that in the show notes, and also we're gonna be pushing it all week. Voting closes, and I'm going off the top of my dome, so double check what I say. Believe voting closes on the morning of the 16th, the morning West Coast time. You have until then to get your votes in uh, just so you know we are using a third-party email verification system uh i found one that uh you know says in their terms of service that they don't keep the emails they don't do anything that basically you're paying us money to protect your data so why would we do something and you know i, I trust them as much as i trust any tech company so uh, eh, you know Keep that in mind, uh, but we are doing that so we don't get uh, duplicate ballots. You know, someone hitting a button twice by accident, or maybe on purpose. Either way, I don't know. Either way, uh, we're keeping it fair. So, um, links to the nominees, which then has a link to the ballot, all in the show notes. And uh, it's it's a good it's a good crop. It's a good crop. Y'all have good taste. Uh, all right, so. With that, speaking of y'all, uh, we've got some new backers this time, and uh, you know we just opened up the um, we opened up the annual option on being a patron. So if you wanted to jump in, uh, and not just at the two or five dollar level, but you wanted to get all out of the way and jump in at like twenty four or the sixty dollar level uh, for a year, those options are open. Uh, you can also you know join at any old level you want um, for for the monthly, I mean, you could actually do it for the higher ones, but oh my God, please, that's scary. Um, <laughs> so actually someone did, um, and I was like, oh my God, you're amazing, by the way, you know who you are. Um, and uh, let's just read the names. Okay, so uh, apologies in advance because, you know, it's me. Uh, so uh, Nick Tydarstra, uh, Clemence de uh, Ryan Griffith, Rachel Brills, and Thrills Experiences, have all joined us this time out. Thank you all so much. Um, everybody, n- nope, uh, patreon.com slash no persinium, not no slash patreon. Although, you know, if we had... If we were doing our own website and not using medium, we would have that. But anyway, patreon.com slash no persinium to uh, join up. Uh, we are continuing to, you know, try and build up the funds so that we, uh, we, we are, you know, so that... So when the dark times end uh you know it's not back to freelancing uh to make the ends meet so there we go with that our sustaining backers are mark Baltazar, jan budman paul f lonnie hanson elaine Brittany, emily gillette sydney Guillory, samuel mustry sam kinkin and ari hurston thank you all so much Long-time listeners will see that I mixed it up because I read the top line forward and the bottom line back. You uh, <laughs> join everybody at nopresidium.com. Uh Let's see what's going on. Uh, Leia has office hours to discuss the Leia bylaws. The Leia bylaws, the draft bylaws are out. Uh, if you want to check those out, and if you're a creator, I hope you do, because you know we're trying to build this five hundred one C three organization, five hundred one C six organization. Uh, Even I get it wrong, and I've been saying it for like three years now, um, in order to uh, create an infrastructure for the immersive creative community. There's uh, a lot of issues that come up. There's a lot of things that everyone's been collectively struggling with. And one of the things that the L.A. branch of the community has done is, uh, you know, we've laid down a keel when it comes to what a membership organization uh, can look like. And uh, there's, there's a lot of legal hurdles in, involved in that. And one of our aims is to uh, have chapter houses uh, all around the country uh, that have an equal say and that all the members have an equal say in how the organization gets run. So uh, we built ourselves a little democracy and, uh, and it's ours if we can keep it. So I encourage you to check that out. Um, it's it's very much an expression of who we are and what we're doing and, and the core value set. And uh, it's not fully baked yet. So there's a couple of things to bring it in line with California law. But anyway, that's for the super nerds. Uh, for now, for just the normal nerds, let's get into this really fun conversation with a bunch of uh, folks who just adore the form and who, like me, think way too much about it. <laughs> All right, here we go with the Journalist Roundtable. I will see you on the other side. Hey, everybody, Noah here. You know my voice. Joining us today are?
1: Scott Stein. I'm an editor-at-large for
2: CNET. Alexis Solosky, I'm a contributing writer for the New York Times.
3: Kent Bai, I'm the founder of the Voices of VR podcast.
2: Uh, Todd
4: Martins, I write about video games for the Los Angeles Times.
5: And it's Catherine Yu, I am the executive editor of No Persenium, and I fix Noah's typos when I find them. <laughs>
0: Well, that's a fun way to start, Kathy. No. <laughs> 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 this is our, our journalist roundtable looking back at immersive twenty twenty, and uh, we're just gonna we're gonna jump right in. And so, the the question I put to everybody last night uh, that I sent everyone off to dreamland with was, uh, "What have you found yourself enjoying oh. unexpectedly?" And I think actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss this to Alexis first uh, because uh, I've 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 watched you like jump around the the online immersive verse. uh, We have a little back channel going. So I'm really curious as to what what has kind of like grabbed you that you didn't expect to grab you.
2: I mean, for me, almost all of this is unexpected because in the before times I covered conventional theater and I liked immersive theater. I'm sort of a closet participator. (laughs) I guess it's not so closet. Like if there is a show and they need a volunteer. I will raise my hand. But for the most part, I was covering conventional theater. And when all of this started and it became clear that conventional theater either wasn't happening or was just going to be really terrible for a while until people figured some stuff out, I started looking around for whatever I could, which has meant audio plays and walking tours and pretending to be part of a jury trial and a really schlocky murder mystery and escape rooms and magic. And honestly, it's been delightful. (laughs) Like I'm making my sound like a critic who loves everything, but I think there are probably worse things in the world. But every two weeks the Times Theater section Tends to have these departmental meanings, and there's a lot of head shaking and hand wringing about how awful everything is. And I keep saying, "You guys, I'm I'm having a great time. I I just solved a Caesar cipher and averted a nuclear strike. How is any of this bad?"
0: <laughs> Scott, how about you? What's uh, What's What's been your experience?
1: Well, I do cover a lot of virtual things, and um, you know, for a while, I've been looking at VR and AR and thinking about. Uh, you know, when will we be virtual? And this has been like the Twilight Zone episode year, where uh, suddenly my my wish was granted in the way that I I didn't want. So
0: you still I have your expect- glasses though, right? Like they I didn't st- break.
1: <laughs> they do, but I need a new prescription. Clearly, oh God, no. <laughs> I, yeah, it's getting worse. Um, and I don't want to go to an eye doctor, but I I um I I expected that I would use VR uh, and and play around with AR. What I didn't expect is that they wouldn't be the full solutions for me. And so what I've really enjoyed are these real life, well, I feel kind of trapped in my home. So these, these real life, little like meditative things. So whether it's reading, um, has continued to be like a time. It's a boring answer, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a thing where reading books about immersive things, about things that I feel like I can, uh, think about, uh, go alongside it. Magic has always been a hobby of mine. And so I, um, we'll be practicing and reading about the arts of that. Um, you know, cooking is weirdly meditative and I feel like I go to it to escape the virtual things. Um, but I, I do love how everybody is getting um, experimental, whether I go to virtual shows or VR theater. Um, I join a, a weekly D and D game with, with a bunch of kids, including mine and another dad is a DM on roll 20. And, that's as theatrical and virtual as a lot of the other stuff. And then like a conversation with old friends once a week on zoom or, um, uh, you know, one of them started playing around with AI dungeon and doing like GPT three, you know, like creative writing. And he, I totally was surprised that he picked it up and is dragging me into it. And so,
0: wait, hold I, on I, a so wait, just so GPT three, yeah. for those who don't know, that's this AI chat bot. That's yeah. really all the rage right now. But like, you can just you can just like spin up an instance or like buy some time on it and like use it for your own D and D games. G- give, me a, give me the short version of that. How does that
1: work? <laughs> he just invited me to just join. Uh, he shared a screen, um, and three of us um, were characters, and he started generating the fiction based on what we wanted to add, and we started spinning off this. Uh, I think we did like a Wes. Anderson, he won, and he fed it some information, and we just ran with it. So it was kind of like role playing; it was kind of like telling a story. So bizarre, and I really felt like, well, I should have been delivering this information to him. I feel like I'm catching up, and that's the feeling in 2020. That so that explains the storytelling there. Like, I I think there's so much where people are picking up tools and running with them that I'm finding uh, this 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 fringe explosion of ideas in places that I didn't expect. So I think that's been amazing and surprising.
0: Todd, what's been, what's been unexpectedly enjoyable during pandemic, knowing that pandemic has been very, very rough? Uh,
4: Of course. Um, You know, I think uh, for me, you know, the sort of, you know, covering uh, video games. Um, So, like, my job in, like, normal times is sort of, you know, 75% video games, 25% theme parks. Um, And I think in, like, in a regular non-pandemic year, this year would have been almost entirely focused on, you know, the PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X. When I think about stuff that I've enjoyed, um, you know, playing or stuff that I've enjoyed partaking in, it's almost less about, you know, the standard sit on a couch, play a video game, and it's more just how, I think we've discovered, we've, we've sensed that play is like a storytelling device on like a greater awareness of like play, you know, whether it's using, um, you know, something that could be mailed to your home and then you can connect that to your phone or whether it's using uh, social media networks as, you know, play or whether it's, um, you know, even going out for like a socially distant walk and, you know, playing in that sort of sense. Um, so I think for me, it's a lot of just this greater awareness that, you know, play is a storytelling medium.
0: I could unpack that for the next like six hours, but what I'm going to do is pivot over to Kent because, and, and and Kent's been, been going hard on the like VR social beat for the past couple of days. I've been watching you on, uh. You on Twitter run around VR chat. But what's been, what have you found yourself unexpectedly delighted by this year?
3: Well, uh, for me, I typically uh, go to a lot of different conferences. In 2019, I went to 18 conferences and, and conferences, including Sundance, South by Southwest, Tribeca, Venice, the IFA Doc Lab. Uh, this year, I think what was unexpected was that how so many of these different film festivals were going virtual. Uh, South by Southwest was too early to really have its immersive program go virtual. Sundance happened. That was the last physical gathering I went to, but there's other like regional conferences like VR Hamburg and con XR and the London international film festival and the Vancouver film festival five R's. And uh, uh, I was able to attend each of these and, and see some of the other, you know, sometimes like maybe one of those, I'll go to one a year, but not like all of them, but this year I was able to attend all of these. Um, and I'd say the other sort of surprising thing was, uh Altspace VR hosting Burning Man which was like I would have not sort of put that on uh that, that happening in 2020 but also uh Raindance had a immersive world section of their program which meant that they were curating all these worlds in VR chat and so I ended up uh playing The Devouring which is a 5 hour like immersive horror experience um and it's uh, like the type of experience where you have to be like initiated into it it's like a full commitment once you start you can't stop and mm-hmm. so it, it after finishing it i felt like so much more bonded to the people that i went through that experience with uh, so it was just interesting to see how what's happening in vr chat uh, and using the affordances of that platform to start to play with new social dynamics uh, and gameplay that i haven't seen in anywhere else and so i've just uh, r- over the last couple of days attended the uh, virtual rally or the vr chat prefabs community which they had a whole conference Uh, Virtual conferences is a whole other thing that I've been covering as well. I've done about 16 different virtual conferences and covering them to different degrees and and doing these whole long Twitter threads and really trying to figure out the art of gathering. Uh, Because when I would go to gatherings, I would roam the hallways and do interviews with people. And so now that we can't do that, I'm missing that sort of way of doing serendipitous collisions. So I've been just really figuring out what is the key components of how to recreate that virtually. And I think actually what VRChat did over the weekend was able to actually do a lot of the key things where it felt like the closest to a normal conference that I've been to.
0: There's, there's a couple of threads that I'm that I'm seeing between what everyone's talking about. Um, and I think the first one I want to tease out is this idea of social interaction and play. And I know that for myself, one of the, probably the biggest friction point for the year kind of talk you Talking a little bit to what to what Kent was talking about is, you know, not being able to gather, not being able to like connect with people, and the different ways the tools are trying to give us those affordances, and and just just the ways in which they fail, and and then the few ways in which they succeed, and kind of how that how that impacts like what creators have to play with when it comes to making making social narrative experiences i'm wondering and this is for for anybody in, in in the group you know has of all the stuff that you've encountered online has has anything worked particularly well in creating that dynamic um and it could be something that involves vr it could be something that involves zoom but uh, i think that you know the, the creative folks who listen to the show you know they could they they need the feedback of knowing like what is and isn't working when it comes to those kind of dynamics, or is it even a, a matter of it being a technical thing? Is there is there some other aspect to it? The technical doesn't matter.
3: Uh, I'll I'll jump in just to share an experience that I had at IFA DocLab from Lance Weiler who did a piece there called "Where There's Smoke." This is actually a piece that premiered at Tribeca two thousand nineteen uh, and it was uh, him covering uh, the loss of his father, who was a firefighter. He took all these photos. And so he really goes through his father's photos and starts to tell the story of his father. But uh, at uh, Tribeca, there was like a sort of gamified escape room dimension. But in his reimagination of this experience, I think he really dialed in uh, this concept of a collaborative grief ritual that really brought everybody together. Um, He did a similar type of just telling the story where we're on a Zoom call, we're watching these videos, but there was this um, interaction in Miro where he had kind of painted out this path with all these different media artifacts, and you got this sense of everybody kind of like uh, scrolling around and, and, and exploring this space and getting to learn about his father and all these more interactive ways. And you got this sense of shared presence with other people just by their their mouse clickers going on the screen. And then he came back and kind of closed it out with some other videos. But in terms of like a community ritual, that's probably the most powerful experience I had this year of trying to to use the affordances of the technology to you know just in the two D space to give us this sense of having a, a ability and agency to have this spatial navigation. Scott.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think about like I think what has got me really paying attention to with groups is the challenges and frictions of not just where to know where to go, but how people behave when they get there. And now that you're seeing, it gives me a big appreciation for like immersive theater as I used to go to it, or even VR, where there there might be a certain reverence or behavior in in a group. I guess like for me, when I would go to, um, it's a weird thing to say, but like when I, would, when I would go to immersive theater, I tend to submit to it. So I feel submissive in the sense that I want to let it, uh, Embrace me. I want to let myself go willingly into it, and like I think about uh, one of my favorite VR experiences last year, but also what they did this year um, in the Under Presents, and um, they they put on um, they 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 did this attempt at you know do restaging of the Tempest, and you know getting a ticketed performance in there by design you don't speak, and so you are going to submit yourself to that world in a certain way. And it allows you to 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 melt into it um, and it works really nicely. i think I think what I find is some when that in other instances it's a challenge. you know, anything ranging from like Burning Man, which was a fascinating thing earlier this year, a couple of times I, I I dived in. It's a group of people that had a lot of respect for Burning man, and I felt that there was a lot of social behavior that that made sense, and sometimes they would kind of control how the crowd would interact. Some things were were more of an interesting mix, like um the, the this was a kind of a marketing in uh, 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 kind of a activation but for um lovecraft country they did this um you know oh, yeah. experience in yeah in in v r chat where you go in in three different times and be in this experience but what's what surprised me is I was ready to kind of dive in and let go, and I could tell that the vibe amongst the people participating. There were a lot of people who hadn't experienced it. A lot of people were sort of in the, hey, what's up, kind of chatty mode. And how do you manage that without it seeming like you're trying to uh, silence people? It's an interesting vibe, like you don't know where, and same thing in Zoom theater. I find that, uh, I saw Inside the Box, uh, David Kwong at the Geffen Playhouse, which is also great because you can do all these things remotely with theaters I don't get to normally go to. But you know, there's a lot of stage management of like, hey, how do I turn this on? What am I doing here? And it reminds me of how these tools need to become easier to use. And it's hard to remotely manage people when you, you know, how many people don't even silence their cell phones. So it, it made me think about those logistical things a lot this year.
0: Alexis, what's what's been your experience of these these frictions?
2: Well, it's interesting because my example of something that I thought was quite successful, if not powerful, like Kent's, is also from VR, you know, and so that may be something we need to come back to. Um, It wasn't powerful. It was just delightful. I I did Dr. Crumb's School, which I think a lot of us have done, you know, which is this kind of um, cartoony escape room but you do it in VR with a live actor. And I have uh, very few friends with VR headsets, but I found uh, one of my old sketch comedy friends from college had one. And so um, we went through it together and I haven't seen her in years. She lives in the Bay area and I'm in New York, but I really felt like we had gone somewhere and we had done something together and we had, hung out in a ball pit and kind of danced around after, you know, um, as opposed to almost anything else I saw, I felt like I had an experience with another adult, you know, something that we'd done together. uh, And, you know, I'd been missing that fellowship certainly. So I, I did, I did, you know, even like disguised as a cartoon rabbit, I felt very present and I felt very immersed.
0: Todd, I want to, I want to throw you for a second here because something I've been thinking about as everyone's talking is going back to your thoughts around play and you cover the video game beat and the, the the whole realm of communal play in video games. I mean, that's, that's the bread and butter of that world these days. And I wonder if you could, you could talk to sort of the touch points that are happening in terms of how that's been evolving over this year and, and, what lessons some of the immersive stuff are either taking or, or sort of failing to pick up from, from, from that. I'm, I'm thinking of Fortnite and stuff like that right now.
4: Sure. Um, yeah, I can, I can try. <laughs> so, um, I mean, yeah, I really wanted to do uh, Dr. Crumbs. I haven't uh, done that yet um, partly because yeah, I just haven't found uh, some VR people. Um, at the same time, uh, I, the stuff that I've sort of liked is the stuff that has like really met me sort of where I am. You know when you go to uh, a theater or when you go to a theme park or you know when you sit down and boot up a video game you know you're ready as scott was sort of saying to sort of give yourself into that world um but when we're all sort of at home um and juggling whatever distractions we have in our apartments or houses you know so it's i sort of like something that sort of recognizes the fact that i may not be able to give 100 percent to um whatever it is i'm playing at that moment but I also think that works very well with sort of the video game world and the video game mindset. I mean, you mentioned Fortnite, you know, people jump in and out of that world. A play session is only 15 minutes. You know, it's not a 45 minute or a 90 minute sort of experience. Um, you know, so, you know, the sort of communal sort of Fortnite events, um, you know, I think I think that's worked well in sort of, you know, advancing the narrative for, you know, um, non-gamers and especially you know probably probably very heavily you know brands in terms of recognizing that this is a place that people can gather um but i, I found them still to be a little bit uh passive and mm-hmm. a little bit um you know i like stuff that has sort of rules <laughs> um you know mm-hmm. and if you're not use the Fortnite language you go into that world you're not going to have any idea what's going on and somebody's going to throw something at you or somebody's going to do some stupid dance move in front of your face and you're going to turn the game off um so
0: you know, someone hitting you in the head while you're trying to watch a trailer for Star Wars what come on. <laughs> exactly so um, it's a new movie theater don't you know so like uh Christopher Nolan says it's the best streaming service or no sorry bad joke um yeah
4: But I I think just like a broad lesson is sort of like curiosity and sort of, you know, discoverability, you know, I think of, you know, one of my favorite things I did during this pandemic, which I think is something that everybody here is familiar with was, you know, the uh, immersive Instagram sort of game Arcana, which um, just because, you know, that didn't demand more than, you know, as much, it demanded as much as I was willing to put into it. I was able to follow the story on days. I didn't have time to do the puzzles. Um, you know, which I think is important. And, you know, so it sort of was a good mix of like, how do we, you know, recognize how we're using social media? And how do we recognize that, you know, some people aren't going to want to, you know, go super deep. Um, so I really like that. And like, even like Port from La Jolla Playhouse, which was, um, you know, it, it gave, it was a sense of sort of part theater, part game, um, but it sort of I didn't play it all in one sitting. You know, like I did constructed the little, it came with some stuff you had to construct and it connected to your mobile phone. But, you know, I sort of did it over like, you know, a full weekend um, just because I'd play it for 10 minutes and, you know, my cat would do something and I'd go back to it.
0: This actually is reminding me of like, Alexis, when you were first jumping into the space uh, with the online stuff and just how many, how many barriers to entry you were running into.
2: Oh, just in terms of not having the right hookup, or not having the right uh, headset, or not having the right kind of computer, <laughs>
0: so. or, or even just like, like not having like the the time and the space, right? Because I'm oh, thinking back to when we yeah. were doing like telephone stuff, and it's like all I can't seal myself off. And I mean this this is something that's that's this whole there's a tension between like what what the shows ask for you, like Scott's point about like you know you know they ask you to submit in a certain way, and like we're all in our we're all in our homes. Like we all have, we can't detach from our worlds.
2: Oh, it's so true. I live in a small apartment, you know, with two young children who are four and seven and don't really respect a thing called mommy's work time. So, you know, um, I was supposed to be somewhere with a door that closed. And I was like trying to explain to this person that the only door that closed is our bathroom, you know, because our bedroom is just these sort of improvised French doors. I I mean, that is a huge change for me. Um, In the before times, it used to be that, you know, I would leave the children with, you know, my husband or a sitter, and I would transform into an adult who did professional things, you know, (laughs) like literally putting lipstick on on the subway and going into that mode and thinking, okay, now I'm not singing nursery rhymes. Now I'm thinking about or toe or whatever it is. And all of that is gone now. There is no separation between my work life and my home life. And but in some ways, maybe in like in like 95% of ways that's been a disaster. But the five percent silver lining is that I am so hungry for something that will take me out of my bedroom, you know, that will immerse me, that will make me feel like I have gone somewhere and experienced something that I'm so receptive to it now. I remember having this really great experience with this English show called jury duty in part because the timing meant like the only time that worked for me was 5 a.m. My time, you know, which is like 10 a.m. Greenwich mean time. And so I was just sort of in this completely dark house, trying not to wake anyone up and just utterly absorbed in the mechanics of this. English jury trial. So when stuff does work, I feel like it works really 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 well.
0: Kent, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about um I, I'm curious because you mentioned uh the devouring which is, you know, 5 hours and once you once you're on the ride, it's like you're in. Uh you can't really can't really go when it comes to like the VR chat side of the world, which is so creative um is there is there thoughts there about approachability like not just accessibility but like approachability for folks or or is that is it still such an enthusiast space that that whole endurance thing is really is really where everyone's sort of leaning towards because i'm always thinking about how do we expose more people to this work and a five-hour commitment and i and, one of my dear friends is part of the team on the devouring. So like at some point I'm going to do it, but I even I blanch at five hours of like five hours with how many people?
5: But like, no, even like you were saying, Todd, right? Like the second you get into one of these worlds where everyone else is an expert, like I sign into VR VR chat, I get swarmed by furries. All of a sudden I'm inside someone's virtual crotch. I don't want to be there
0: well that's a whole other thing uh,
5: <laughs> I've i've seen i've seen
0: what looks like a cuddle puddle or two it when just just you know when i'm skulking around vr chat and i'm like oh okay okay second life vibes i get it but i've also seen people like standing off to the side and saying the exact thing i'm thinking which is like this is a little weird so i think there's that'll that'll grow in time um and and you know I wish the karaoke in there worked, but the ping is too bad. Because um, some people made some really nice karaoke lounges, but it's just impossible to do karaoke in VR, which breaks my heart. But Kent, um, what's, what's, mm-hmm. the, what's the um, what's yeah, what's the vibe, man? So. Yeah.
3: yeah, so well, just to to kind of go back to uh, also at Venice this year, Kira Benzing had finding Pandora X. Which was uh, in VR chat, and if you go back to Venice of 2019, she did uh, Love Seat, which was in high fidelity. Um, but this year she moved over to VR chat just because you know high fidelity is pretty much shuttered. Um, and there was also a piece there called uh, Metamovie, which was using Neos VR. So like Neos VR has all this you know, user interface complications. It's highly flexible, but can be very confusing. So it ends up being like, before you even dive in, you have to kind of learn. All the nuances of how to navigate. I think for VR chat, they have to deal with the same thing. Uh, with VR chat, uh, because you can world hop and go between different worlds, then what do you what do you do if you drop? Uh, how do you rejoin? So you end up having to like become friends to all the cast members. Um, and then there's uh, public and private instances and in, in VR chat, which help to uh, differentiate just random people from dropping in, but that also means that the onboarding is very kludgy and difficult, and that if you click on the invite link from Firefox, it doesn't work. Uh, so you end up having to go into VR Chat, uh, friend uh, one of the cast members, s- send them a request to join the private instance, and then you're in. Um, and then once you're in and you get all of that sort of settled, then you can sort of start to do the theatrical aspects. But then, uh, for depending on if you know the user interface, then you have to have a little technology tutorial. So I think every every sort of VR experience has to kind of go through this onboarding tech uh, debugging phase. Um, But uh, just to kind of speak to the the other question that you're speaking to um, unity as a program has a lot of technical debt. There's a lot of things that even people who are professional game developers have to deal with a lot of the ways in which that there's just been a lot of bugs and inconsistencies Mm -hmm. of, of, of unity on top of the way that they break backwards compatibility. So you have all these different versions of Unity. And then on top of that, you have to deal with all the weird bugs. And then on top of that, you have VRChat, which is an application built on top of that. And then on top of that, you have the Udon on scripting, which is yet another layer of abstraction. So you're kind of like fighting against all these layers of abstraction in order to actually do what they want. And it's, to me, a bit of a miracle that anybody's able to do anything on the platform. But what I'm excited to see is that there's the VRC, the virtual reality, um, or the VRChat prefabs group that has taken upon themselves to say, even though it's impossibly difficult to do anything on this platform, uh, it wasn't designed for, but um, there's a big, huge social graph of people and that's the largest social VR space that's out there. And so you have these different dynamics that you could never tap into before. So like the the devouring, um, Cyan Laser was just giving a talk at the uh, TLX conference this past weekend of how he had to create special code to allow people who wanted to join late to be able to also participate in the game, because usually when you join in a VR chat world, you have local instancing, so all the variables are local. So they had to figure out special ways to have these global variables, so the game progress was saved, so you could have people kind of drop in and out as they pleased. Which to me is a bit, or at least they were able to drop in. I don't know if they, if they came back, they might have to, you know, do some things over. But they were able to essentially work that out, so they're yeah. able to actually like tap into some completely new social dynamics. Um, and the gameplay was in some ways very tedious and boring, but because you were there with friends, uh, it made it so that you were all kind of going through this, it was like, like burning man, you, you put yourself in the middle of a desert for like, you know, a week and it's through that adversity that you actually bond with each other. And so there's certain ways in which that the game design, if you're playing it by yourself, you would be like rage quit because it's like infuriating at certain points, <laughs> but because you're with other people. Uh, it actually makes it like a shared initiatory experience that i think is uh, that's surprising but also the lacuza is a great game designer and and uh you know the whole team the, the four ponies of uh fiona and legends doing the music and uh cyan laser with the programming i mean it, they they were able to come up with this sweet spot of experiential design that is really one of the most innovative experiences that i've seen this year um and they're sort of pushing these new social dynamics of people wanting to have social experiences and how to create the programming environment to be able to do that? There's so many more tools that are coming up for 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 people to continue to innovate on these open source prefabs and these tools that are being made available.
0: I want to want to float to everybody this, this the 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 question around social experiences. Like, have what have even outside of like immersive stuff? Like, what has been working for you to create that? that feeling of social connection this year because i think that's something that everyone is is struggling with and both on an individual level and i think a lot of creators are because even when it's even when it's something that's like a one-on-one experience like immersive stuff whether it's vr or it's live is is so based in the social interaction
1: um i I would say for me, I think about something that Kent said about um, creators, you know, maybe, or people building something together over time, something for me about appointments and consistency, uh, the, the cumulative buildup of what turns into a meaningful social thing over time is what's lingered with me over this. And that could be, that could be a weekly agreement to do a zoom with friends. That could be the D and D thing uh, for my son. It's kind of, I'm shocked to watch my kids who are uh, 12 and seven. I mean, they play Fortnite, they play Animal Crossing. They, um, my oldest kid learned to be his own DM on Roll20 and started, you know, pulling together assets and stuff. I think like you, 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 but they do it over time. And so like every week, every day, they pick up new ideas, new skills. They learn the shorthand or I start learning the shorthand. Friends start understanding the social dynamics. What's weird at first becomes natural. Um, I join my nephew a lot in on Oculus Quest to uh, play games now, which I hadn't done before. But now he got it, and we kind of are working out our appointment schedule. I find that the spontaneity of interactions is hard, even in a theatrical thing, because in the best way you open up and you dive in, but the rules of engagement are different. You know, again, going to the real theater or uh, amusement park or even a VR headset has a clear um, entry point. But because the entry points are different now and the tools are different, there's an awkwardness unless you start really, but over time you can build a new base to it. And I find that that's over nine months, I've had things that have started becoming natural things in my timeframe that have become social.
5: Anybody I want to see you, Noah, because I wasn't really into alt space, and you kept raving about how great Burning Man was going to be, and that actually spurred me to, like, Actually, go into it and spend time with it. And the best part was you trying to show us around. I mean, like, look at this cool art I found. Look at this cool other thing I found. I'm going to take you there. So, that idea of like someone else helping to initiate you into the world who already knows the mechanics, who wants to show off their discoveries. Like, I think that idea of needing a host or a guide is more important than ever. And Mm. literally, thanks to you, like, I've been spending more time in alt space.
0: Well, the, the Altspace Burning Man uh, BRC setup was definitely one of my high points for the year. And then maybe that's, that lets us get us back on track a little bit uh, with with that idea. Like, what's what's been... Um, we'll will play, will play high point, low point. Uh, and if you want to skip the low point, it's okay. But uh, I know f- uh, for me, it was definitely Burning Man was my high point. Um, and I think, I, think, I think low point for me... I'll just do like a universal, which is, anytime I'm in a Zoom show and I realize that we're just there to to like talk in the chat room, or if it's like a, a Twitch type thing and there's that that we're superfluous, we're not we don't actually need to be there. Um, it's it's a static show. Um, if people are like selling it as being not a static show, uh, those are my low points, but. Um, how about uh, Todd, what's, what's been, what's been high point, low point for you? Yeah.
4: I mean, well, I think, you know, when it comes to high points, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about as everybody was talking is, you know, when I talk about sort of play and play as storytelling, like it doesn't necessarily need to be like complex. It doesn't need to be like, this is theater that is like you're now going to go on like these big quests or whatever. It can be very simple, um, you know? And so I'm looking like in my apartment right now and, one of my favorite games of the year, and I'm not saying this was my favorite game of the year, but one of my favorite games of the year, and one that did get some criticism from you know like game enthusiasts was that silly little Nintendo Mario Kart home circuit, um, which is it turns your home into like an an augmented reality Mario Kart course. Um, and I liked that because it was it was simple, it was easy. It wasn't you know a big sort of plot. <laughs> obviously it's Mario Kart. But it also just sort of asked you to look at things in a different way. Um, And as somebody, you know, when you talk about social, um, who is quarantining alone, who prior to the the pandemic was a very proud introvert, um, which in turn has turned out to be very bad during the pandemic. Um, You know, it's stuff that sort of just asks you to like go do something and look at the world around you in a different way. Like that to me is play. So when I think about like, you know, fire season, you know, which I know you did as well, Um, which was an immersive theater piece um, at Paramount Ranch. It was just like a 45 minute, 60 minute sort of podcast like reading. Um, But you just walked around the space and, you know, you were asked to look at, you know, this national park in a way that you wouldn't be asked to look at it, you know, in, you know, normal times, you know? So conversely, when I went to uh, Disney California adventure for Thanksgiving, to take myself out to, you know, a Thanksgiving dinner at Carthay Circle, um, I ended up just being kind of bummed out, you know, because the park wasn't used as a place of play. The park was just being used as a place, you know, for retail. Mm. Um, And, you know, and Disney has done a lot of very simple things that they could have been doing. They, you know, they could have had little scavenger hunts. They could have just asked you to wander around and look at things. And, you know, so it doesn't need to be like a big complex, you know go whatever assassins creed like story it can just sort of be a sense of go over here and pay attention to this and then even if you're alone you feel like you're part of a community
0: those are all great points i want to I <laughs> like sit down and like talk to you about your your dca experience um, alexis how about you <laughs>
2: High Point was probably uh, an audio tour piece called Cairns that takes place at Greenwood Cemetery, which is a Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn. And it's funny talking about it as a social experience because it wasn't. It was just me and my headphones. But um, I feel like it was one of the few times during this whole crazy month after month after month that I've really found a place to be quiet and contemplative. And peaceful, which is something that um, this piece by Gelsie Bell just really invites. And she has you, she is like a tour guide in your ears. She has you stop and take note of certain places. I never felt lost, and I have a terrible sense of direction. She's very careful in the way she guides you, but also she just has this really beautiful ability to put things in perspective, you know, and to help us realize that this is a terrible moment in the middle of many moments before and after. And that human life is one way of occupying this space, which is also occupied with all of these other forms of life. Greenwood is also um, a nature preserve and a wonderful place for birding and things like that. Uh, Just in terms of more ordinary social fun um, on my birthday, I, made a bunch of friends do a point-and-click escape room with me from CU Adventures in Time and Space, and it was great. It was like 25% escaping and 75% (laughs) trash-talking, was ideal. Um, Uh, It was so nice. That's the best kind. It is the best kind. Um, I mean, by the end, we were all tired and just pressing like hand, 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 hand. But, um, I mean, we did save the world, so feeling proud. Thank you Really pretty good. Uh, and then the worst was probably this very sweet but very schlocky murder mystery dinner thing where I had to play a character, which I'm really, really bad at. I'm much better in these things when I just get to be my kind of, you know, well intentioned, slightly chatty, Kathy self. Um, but I was supposed to play this gypsy princess, and I thought that was racist. <laughs> Um people of Romani ancestry do not enjoy that term. But
5: yeah, yeah.
2: It, it didn't totally seem like the right time or place to really bring that up, you know, and really get into it. So oh,
0: Yeah. Sh- show them to the party and like, this is my sensitivity reader and they're gonna read you
2: now.
0: Um <laughs> Which is But
5: there's a murder.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's been a cultural murder. No. Um Priorities, priorities, but also maybe priorities. So um, that's that. The 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 great leveling that is social media when it comes to like that level of awareness. That's a whole thing to unpack, um, and 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 deserves deserves an episode by someone who's better trained in it than me. Um, Kent, uh, how about you? High point, low point. Yeah. um, So probably for VR
3: experience, the book of distance was my. My mm. favorite VR experience of the year. It's now been released, so I just highly recommend people track it down and watch it. Um, but just the way that they um, use theatrical elements and um, <clears throat> to uh, you know have sort of a, a theater setting, uh, but you're embodying the, the the characters. And and I don't know. It just for me, it was the, the top VR experience. It's definitely worth uh, checking out. And in terms of theatrical moments, a uh, meta movie and being able to actually embody the protagonist of this piece, where um you're kind of like this sci-fi adventure and you know you have these different choices but um I don't know to me it was fun just to kind of like uh surrender into being a character and to to as as much as I could do a yes and and really just uh, be a good steward because there's all these other audiences members that are kind of fly bots flying around you and so I was trying to be engaged and not sort of disrupt the dialogue but at the same time when presented with a choice, I discovered essential parts of my own character of being kind of like this essential chaotic good or lawful good that I wanted to play. I didn't want to, you know, have other options that I was exploring. So it was fun to kind of like uh, explore that. Um, and in terms of, well, the other high point, low point, there was this two week period at the beginning of September. And uh, August 18th, Facebook announced that they were going to be like consolidating all of the Facebook accounts into, um, you know, uh, all, all the Oculus accounts into Facebook, User accounts, which meant that it upset a lot of people, but also was a larger indication that Facebook was going to just start doing whatever they wanted. Uh, but it also catalyzed all these developers who were kind of fed up to start to speak out. And so, at the same time, I, I started to get all these testimonies from like Big Screen VR and Geek Goodwin and other folks who you know like uh, live uh, or uh, six live from Why You Are Fit, who just recently got published. But it was like this uh, upswelling of all this uh, upset around Facebook. And then it was like Burning Man, Venice and Facebook connect all within like a two week period where I was doing like 20 different interviews covering all these different things. But Facebook connect as a gathering itself was the worst gathering, the worst virtual conference that I attended all year. Uh, it was just a bunch of talks. Uh, there was no interaction. There was no, uh, it it was Facebook is the VR company and they had no way for you to really connect to people in VR. It was like what, and it, there was no even way to even have ask questions during the sessions, which were all pre-recorded. So you have this, I guess, you know, my frustration at covering conferences is when everything's pre-recorded and you have no way to actually engage or interact in any meaningful fashion. Um, so that for me was kind of like an interesting high point, low point, two week period, which was actually some of the highest highlights with Burning Man in Venice, but also the lowest in terms of just the larger frustrations with Facebook, but also the actual conference that they put on the Facebook Connect one.
0: People should really engage with what you've been doing, uh, covering the the developer backlash uh, with Facebook. Uh, one of the critical parts, which just like came out this week, it's 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 it, the, that company like the danger of that company has always been their and their ambition to be ubiquitous and to be all things to all people, and by doing that, they put themselves in positions that are naturally untenable, uh, and just they. They bull in a China shop It almost every time. So it's, 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 it's breathtaking in all the wrong ways. Uh, and they've made themselves so, so critical to the success of the very medium, uh, because you know, no one's punching at their weight right now, but that's, that's a whole another thing. Scott for you, high point, low point.
1: Well, some of them have been said, so I'm going to, uh, they, they were plucked out there and, and they've been mine. Um, so I'll mention them too. You know, I, I agree with Todd. Uh, Mario Kart Live Home Circuit brought me back to something I felt when I tried Nintendo Labo. Um, and it's something I think about with my kids in remote schooling uh, in the sense that uh, there's this distance between us and and the thing beyond. and um, And not a lot of stuff plays with the space you're in. And Nintendo does. Nintendo, like, changes perspective. They make you... Think about your space and make that the theatrical event. And uh, and, and I, I think that extending out and playing with you where you are, I, I want to see that in more uh, concepts. You know, like I, I started playing with a Nintendo uh, uh, Rubik's connected cube, which has been around, like this Bluetooth um, cube that, you know, you can just solve paired with your phone. But it made me think of like, you know, escape rooms using connected puzzle boxes or things that you could interfaces you could have in the real room with you I think about Lego and the way that they um, are starting to branch into education. There's just physical objects the way that you could play with it that have a virtuality to them. The other thing I agree with Kent, uh, Book of Distance blew me away at, at ConXR. And it was my my first experience I had going in. I didn't know it was going to be my first one. And I, I, I cried all over my headset. And it was it was so beautiful and so haunting that it also has made me expect more... Out of other experiences in VR, um, you know, I'd say like, um, well, I'll get to that in a sec. But um, you know, I think that, uh, and, and I said D D before, but I would say it again. Like watching uh, people create worlds in something like Roll Twenty makes me think of the tools that we could start teaching ourselves in other apps, and and seeing a bunch of kids um, get so so good at doing it, and ready to extend themselves into characters over what's now been years for us part first real that now virtual um has been really magical and has been a persistent type of theater for me um and i think that it roll 20 in a lot of ways feels like super zoom where you know you have a video chat and you have all these other interactive tools and it makes me think of um the missing pieces and stuff like zoom and what platforms need to still exist and going to quest like this is an old app. This is like the most obvious knee jerk, but like uh beat saber for me this year has been like a, a new type of meditative space. And I'm, I'm competing more with friends who now have this stuff and it's a place to throw myself into. And, and I think some of the stuff they've been doing with fitness tracking while very creepy because it's, uh, I don't know where Facebook's going with it. The idea of that as a space for fitness and building a virtual training space still remains really interesting to me. I think the stuff that um, it has a lot of friction is uh, tough for me is, again, you know, whether it's briefings with companies or whether it's theater experiences, um, all the broken bits of all the virtual Zoom and other platforms that we use, um, there's a lot of charm to it. But there, it's also really frustrating when you feel like you don't have the tools you need and nobody knows how to use them. And I think it's really an indicator that all companies miss the boat a lot on being able to build out um, the the right tools for us. And then I look forward to those evolving. And then and then I I'm I'm let down by some of the VR theater experiences I saw, which were um, partially because I expected something as transformative of some as some of the more more crafted ones that were not live. But it's also the general fluid. It's it's when do people feel comfortable improvising in these spaces and, and finding game players? I think in the video game world, you might have a language for interaction, but people don't have it yet here. And so it's I'm looking forward to it arriving. I'm looking forward to um, phones extending into... We have a real disconnect from VR and AR to the the phones and tablets and laptops we use. And until those become extensions through and, and that's like Apple and Google and, and connected partners and things like that. It, it does feel weird. And it gives a lot of like walled off, um, elements to, the, to what we're experiencing. Um, that's not the full answer to what we need, but like, it's part of what I wish would still would exist is that melt away feeling, um, mm. to, to future interactive stuff out there.
0: Yeah. I get you. I get what you mean. Like just, the The level of friction on one level is high, but also with with so much stuff. I mean when when stuff is like an easy when stuff is an easy win for making a bunch of money, like so many resources get dedicated to it to a level that's just like, absolutely absurd and then the stuff that's like a little bit more complicated the resources just aren't put to it and like the you the the user interfaces and and the the social graphs just don't catch up because it isn't flooded with engineering resources and artists and all, all the rest of it um just to a to a degree that can be frustrating when you think about it in the macro um and and so you, you wind up with things that wind up being uh, kind of clued together well, I know we got to let everyone rock and roll with their days. So um, I want to thank everyone for for jumping in and uh, giving us a little window into their year. So Scott, Alexis, Kent, Todd, thank you all. Catherine, of course, thank you for always being here for us. Uh, and uh, we'll have to get together and do some more of this soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank great. you. Yeah, thank you. And that's the big show for the week. I want to thank again all our guests, Scott, Todd, Alexis, Kent, and of course, Catherine for being on the show today. Uh, check out their work uh, at their various publications. There'll be links to everybody. I'll try and find a way to, you know, I mean, I know how to link bylines, so I'll, I'll link your collect, their collections of stuff. Also uh, Todd's top 10. Uh, yeah. I got to run. So no big elaborate thing for me this week, but remember voting is open. So I hope you go do that. I know we're all tired of voting, <laughs> but one more round of voting. So voting is open. Uh, lay a meeting next week, uh, on uh, the 15th. Uh, and then we've got, uh, the end of the year, um, the awards podcast. Um, I've got meetings every night next week. Um, and then, uh, you know we're going to be doing some uh, just some little little stuff uh, for the rest of the year. I think we're going to take we're going to take Christmas off, so no podcast on Christmas. But there will be a podcast on I think it's the first. Yeah, yeah. There's a podcast podcast uh, for the top of the year. And then uh, we actually have a whole bunch of fun podcasts coming up in January. Uh, we're getting ahead of the curve right now. So we're working ahead uh, so we have a, a smooth start to the year. Uh, and, you know, there's other stuff we're publishing. Um, not only are we going to publish the awards next week, but, you know, every year we've done uh, our own critics' uh, you know, top five lists. So we're publishing those, uh, top five moments, top five shows, and uh, in addition to the awards. So given, given all of our team, uh, the individual voice, and uh, as well as doing the collective will thing, and then you know doing the audience awards. So just accolades a go go all around for everyone. Not for, yeah, for every for everybody. Why not for everybody? You know why? Because we um, we we did not meet this year uh, meekly, right? If you're listening to this, you've been fighting. And uh, you deserve some praise for that, because this has been not an easy year to to do anything, to be part of a community, to be part of <laughs> this country. Uh, so kudos to you for being a fighter, and uh, and a gentle one, for the most part, at that. Meaning, don't, yeah, anyway. <laughs> That's not me going like, stop you being mean! no, 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 no. Too- don't take it like that. Something like that. All right, uh, I gotta go. Uh, speaking of fighting through things and surviving, there's some of the the classic stuff is um, there's, there's duties today, so I gotta go get to them. I'll see you next week. Let's do the credits before I forget. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> the music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society, uh, who are doing a fundraiser right now. They're uh, doing a Zoom version of their Ebenezer show. Uh, so you might want to check that out. Uh, and then, of course, our big-time sustaining backers, who you can join at patreon.com slash no persinium. That would be Elaine, Brittany, Emily Gillette, Sidney Guillory, Samuel Mistry, Sam Kinkin, Ari Hurston, Lonnie Hanson, Paul F., Jan Budman, and Mark Balthazar, thank you all so much. That's it. That's the show. Find what we do at nopersinium.com and at everythingimmersive.com. And until next time, thank you for wearing the mask.